This program is part of the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. For more shows like this, visit our website at CosmicPotato.com. In a world without a single unified voice, humanity has been left searching for answers to the unknown. Now, one podcast has the power to change that and to spread its voice across the earth for all mankind to hear. Welcome to Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast. We interrupt this program to annoy you and make things generally irritating. Hey everybody and welcome to Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast. My name is Sean and I've got a full house here with me tonight. I got on the line a couple of the usual suspects. Rick is here. Welcome, sir. Thank you, sir. And Anthony is here as well. Welcome back, Anthony. Good evening. And we've got a special guest on the episode. As you know from a month or two back, uh, we talked about the Magic City Con that Rick and I both appeared at. And we ran a few panels together. But while we were there, we met a local group called the Alabama Ghostbusters. And they are, of course, a local chapter of a network of Ghostbusters fans known as Ghost Heads from around the world. And from that club, we have Mr. Brock Parker here with us tonight. Brock, welcome to Cosmic Potato. Oh, man, I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, why don't you, we'll start out, why don't you tell us a little bit about the Alabama Ghostbusters? Well, the Alabama Ghostbusters, uh, we were formed back in 2008, um, and we have been doing a lot of charity work since then. Uh, we do a lot of community events, charity events. Um, basically, whenever somebody wants a group of Ghostbusters, they just contact us, and we show up at their events. And we do a lot. Uh, our, our, our charity partner is Camp Smile-A-Mile, um, which is Alabama's program for kids with cancer. Yeah. And so we do several events around the state every year, and we raise money for Camp Smile a Mile, and we hang out with a whole bunch of like-minded geeks or wannabe geeks if they want to learn more about Ghostbusters. Um, so we we dress up, and uh, we never charge for our appearances. We just like to show up and have a good time and hang out with people. God bless you. <laughs> and you got i mean you show up full uniform proton packs and all that kind of stuff you got it you got it and it's it's those things are not required to be a member of the alabama ghostbusters um all, all you really need is just to have a love for the brand uh, a great personality a charitable heart and a t-shirt you can have just a regular ghostbusters t-shirt and you're fine but usually once people get into our group and they see okay, I kind of need more than a shirt. They start getting the bug, and so they will go off and build the proton packs and put together their flight suits, and we can help them any way that they need. So it's it's like we're really one big family. There's about 30, 
I'd say just over 30 members around the state. How much wow. how much does it how much does it cost to put together a proton pack like that? Because I I, I watched some videos on YouTube. Of how much guys, time too? Yeah, it was some guys making one out of just stuff that you can buy at Home Depot and stuff like that, but how much do you usually spend on making a replica like that? You can spend as little as you want, like the like you said, the the guys will go to the hardware store and and you know build something that remotely looks like the proton pack, um, or you can go full out like I did and build a uh, a replica of the uh, my my pack is a replica of the first movie, and it took me two years to find and fund a lot of the parts. Um, I tried to find as much stuff from the 80s as I could uh, to make it as accurate as possible. Yeah. Um, in addition to the electronics and, and everything like that. Um, my pack, I probably have sunk more than $2,000 into it. Wow. Oh! <laughs> so, <laughs> but that, that was over the course of two years, like I said. And I have friends that can build these things in a weekend, hands down. But when... When I built mine, it was my very first prop that I ever built. So I took my time. I took about seven months to build it. So about two and a half years I had invested into it. And uh, I could probably build another one a lot more quickly than that, and especially with a lot of the people in the prop community, the Ghostbusters prop community, when they have you know, access now to 3D printers um, and silicone molds, things of that nature. Yeah. It won't oh, take yeah. as long. It won't. It won't be nearly as expensive. As a matter of fact, um, the company Anovos, you know, that sells a lot of the Star Trek and Star Wars uniforms, um, the accurate ones, right now they are selling um, the very first licensed proton pack kit, and it's going for about six hundred dollars. So you can get them uh, in a variety of a variety of prices. It all depends on how accurate you want to go. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, not that I'm rich or anything, but, you know, if I really wanted to roll the dice on a Halloween and go as a Ghostbuster, $600, you know, for something I could kind of reuse for cons and for multiple Halloweens and stuff like that, or, you know, just kind of walk around the neighborhood, um, <laughs> that uh, that seems like something I could really swing. Plus, it's already made. You know, if you're really busy and you don't have a lot of time to invest in making your own, uh, you know, that seems like a very viable option. I, I think in the future that they're going to offer pre-built proton packs, but right now this is just for the kit. Oh, send, oh okay, okay. Yeah, they, they send you all the parts you need. you still got to put it together. But believe me, after spending two years of trying to track this stuff down and trying to be as authentic as possible, having everything just given to you right then and there would be so much easier yeah and then, <laughs> yeah. then at that point it's kind of like just building a model exactly it's just a it's a massive model just don't try um, and show up at the airport with it <laughs> yeah <laughs> well i you know I, I think the airports have have become a little bit lenient with us because i've had several friends who have uh who have shipped their proton packs or even brought it on board uh just this past march when uh, a few of us flew out to california out to ghost core to sony um I had uh, more than a couple of friends bring their packs with them and didn't have any problems. Oh, okay. Mm. Cool. What what I wouldn't give to walk down the aisle of a Southwest flight to my seat and have the PKE meter out as I'm walking down scanning people. <laughs> <laughs> so it, can I just tick you off for a second real quick? 
a friend of mine, he went as Egon one year for Halloween, and we were like 17-year-olds in high school, and he was working in a fast food restaurant. So his proton pack was a backpack that we put a cardboard box around and cut out holes so he could like wear the straps. Uh-huh. And uh, on the back of it, we just wrote the words proton pack. <laughs> <laughs> and then the greatest part of all, because he was working in a restaurant, uh, we got the the hose from the vacuum cleaner that probably had asbestos in it. And he had this thing, like, you know, like, tucked into the back of the, like, cut a hole and shoved it under the back of the pack. Uh-huh. Uh, but, yeah, just working at a restaurant industry. And it was, like, one of those old vacuum cleaners, too, that was never, ever, ever used. So, who knows what was in that thing. <laughs> but, yes. So- sorry, Mr. Health Inspector. <laughs> Well, before we go into it, we're going to talk about the new Ghostbusters uh, movie and all that. But before we go into that, I wanted to talk about this uh, Ghost Heads documentary that's on Netflix. That you, you had a part in that. I had a whole three seconds in it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, um, and one of your, uh, one of your uh, Ghostbuster brethren uh, had a little bit of a bigger part in, in the film. Um, did, did you shoot more stuff that they just cut out or something? Yeah, uh, Brendan Mertens, uh, who is a friend of mine from Ottawa, uh, he's the director of Ghost Heads, and he has spent uh, this past year, uh, he's traveled out to, to Ghost Corps. I mean, you saw some of the interviews from uh, from the actors and, and Ivan Reitman and Paul Feig and everybody. Um, he was able to go out and get uh, access to those guys on the Sony lot. Um, he traveled all around. We all shot our own interviews and stuff, a lot of us. Um, so yeah, my part, I've got probably a 20 to 30 minute interview total. Um, but, uh, they wanted to, uh, take it a certain direction, focusing on just a a handful of uh, people, uh, which is totally fine. I'm everyone they featured I'm friends with, and it was great to see them in their everyday life and how Ghostbusters applies to their, to their, uh, their well-being. Um, so there's there's going to be a DVD release of it as well. And Brendan told me there's probably another two hours of footage that's going to be included. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Do you, so, know, do you know about when in the documentary, uh, like how many minutes in we get to see you? Uh, the one on Netflix, I think. Oh, I'm, that's the one I saw, yeah. Yeah, I'm about five minutes, I think, in the Netflix, and it's only for three seconds, and it's just me saying I'm part of the Alabama Ghostbusters. Oh, uh, okay. But hey, oh, that I'm, guy. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, I'm on Netflix. It's okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that means you now have an IMDb page, dude. I do, actually. Yeah, I do. <laughs> and I have a, I now have a, a shared credit with with uh my friend ernie hudson and and uh dan Aykroyd and yeah I've, so now i'm like okay that's fine but i'm still not sag affiliated so i'm like yeah well d- i, I mean no- you gotta start paying dues and union fees <laughs> and all that to stay out of it um yeah. a friend of mine guy that i went to high school with i didn't even know because i mean i knew he was actually way into ghostbusters and actually whatever it was, like two years ago when they re-released the first one in theaters, uh, he came to the theater dressed as Ghostbuster. Uh, not one minute into the movie, he is, it has a picture from his childhood at Christmas where it's the little blonde kid and it's Christmas and he has all the Ghostbuster toys and everything. And he's wearing the Ghostbuster pajamas. Uh-huh. But 
it is when Ray Parker Jr. He like they split the screen and he's on the left and the the pictures on the right. <laughs> and it was it was so crazy though because you know for a while ever since the movie was coming out it was like his Facebook profile picture so mm-hmm. I knew the photograph uh, the childhood photograph and then just to see it in a movie unexpectedly just out of nowhere was kind of like whoa that's kind of cool I actually know that guy <laughs> which uh, which guy was he um well it was his childhood photo in the movie like uh-huh. one minute in when uh, Ray Parker is talking about the song or or whatever just maybe just something about the fandom and there's a yeah. photograph of the little oh you mean his name yeah oh sorry cory lackey I've, sometimes I've heard my of brain it. doesn't work so good that's okay no I, yeah i've heard of him i don't i don't know him personally but i've heard of him okay rick have you had yeah, a chance to watch, the... did you get a chance to watch it yes i did i i was very impressed with it um I, I I spotted you, Brock. <laughs> I was I kept hoping there'd be more of you later, and, and but uh, you know at least you got yeah you know you got on the screen there. Um, you know what? Uh, I <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I'm I think I'm a bit older than than all y'all. Uh, so uh, well, I'm I'm 52. <laughs> you got me by 12. Okay, yeah. So and and that twelve years actually is is kind of the difference because Ghostbusters to me was a fun movie, but mm-hmm. it, it never it, it it didn't come at that point in my life where it did in y'all's where it really like sank into me. Um, so I was I was totally blindsided that that there was such a widespread Ghostbusters fandom. Not it didn't surprise me because I've been a you know I've been a nerd my whole life. I just the fact that I hadn't heard of y'all. I, I told you this when we met at the con. Uh, I, I was just floored, and watching the the documentary, I I, ha- I feel a kinship with you guys because uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Society for Creative Anachronism. Uh, we're a, a medieval reenactment organization, mm-hmm. uh, and that was my ghost heads experience growing up when I was a uh, you know in uh, the end of high school and going into and in college. Uh, I found this medieval reenactment group, and we make real armor and wooden swords and beat the living crap out of each other uh, and have tournaments. And it's, it's a, I, you know, I've watched it go from, uh, you know, kind of a sparsely scattered all over the U S to being a, a, a worldwide organization over the past 30 years. Uh, and awesome. so I could, I could so relate to everything you guys were doing. What I was going to say earlier about the proton packs is, you know, like when you start, when you start fighting in the SCA, um, a lot of people, you know, nowadays you can just buy armor back when I started, there, you know, there were maybe a few people that were making it, but for the most part, you had to learn how to work the metal yourself. And I found that, you know, my first suit of armor, while it was ugly as sin, uh, meant so much more to me because I had built the thing, you know, by hand. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering is, it, I wonder if you get the same experience with the proton pack, if, if, you know, like if you just go and say, "All right, I'm going to drop six bills and buy this thing," and then all I have to do is put it on, versus you who spent two years of your sweat, your your blood. I'm sure you bled a few times putting that thing together. <laughs> um, you know, does your proton pack mean more to you than somebody that just went to you know went to proton packs or us and bought one? <laughs> Boy, if that store existed, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I copyright I, that I, website immediately. Exactly. <laughs> Um, I can actually speak to both angles. Uh, my very first Proton Pack I bought from a guy. Um, there's a website called Ghostbusters Fans, gbfans.com. 
Um, and that's where a lot of the ghost heads interact. Um, I bought my very first pack back in late 2008, uh, early 2009. I bought it from a guy on, on GB fans. Actually, yeah, it was around Halloween 2008 where I bought it. Um, and I got it and I was so excited to have it and wore it to, you know, wore it to Dragon Con the following year and wore it to a couple of other conventions. But then that's when I decided I'd love to give my hand or love to you know, try my hand at, at building one. And the one I built, um, is a lot more accurate to the, to the version that I wanted the first movie. And I baby this thing. It is, I've named it. Um, his name is Veronica after, uh, <laughs> back in the day. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Veronica Belmont. Uh, she used to do a lot of tech shows. I mean, she still does, but she used to. Oh, have, yeah, yeah, yeah. Regular, yeah. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, on um, that network, like Tech TV, then G4. You got it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. She was on Revision 3. Yep. Yeah. So Veronica and I have, have we, we used to see each other and take pictures with each other at, at Dragon Con for a few years. And so when I built this pack, she's, I, she's always kind of been my tech crush. So. I built it. I named it Veronica, and actually got a picture of her wearing it and signing it um, on the back side on the motherboard. So, yeah, that's creepy. Um, anyway, I, I just looked her up, and I don't blame you. <laughs> she is a sweetheart, and I haven't I haven't been able to speak to her at Dragon Con the last last three or four years. But yeah, the first four years I went, yeah, we we'd always say hi, and she would remember me and recognize me, and. Yeah, my wife wasn't too happy about that, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I can tell you that I personally take a lot more pride in in my current pack. It's, like I said, I finished it in 2011. I have babied it. I wouldn't even weather it. I mean, I, I wanted it to, to look brand new, and I said, I'm just going to let weathering happen naturally. And so... You know, having it for five years now, there are dings on it and and scrapes, and it is starting to look really good to me. It's starting to look like the it's it's seeing some action. So, um, but outside of the little dings and everything like that, yeah, I I baby it. I don't let anybody borrow it. I don't let anybody wear it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I take that back. On occasion, if if I'm standing right next to somebody, I'll let them wear it. But um, not how and, heavy is it? Uh, my packs right now. Right about twenty six pounds. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's made of fiberglass and aluminum. Um, the gun on it is made out of resin parts, and of course, all the electronics inside, the speaker and everything. Um, but the nice thing about those uh, about the packs is they are you wear them via an old military uh, Alice frame, so. It distributes the weight pretty equally on your back, so I can I can wear it for hours and not have any problems. And you know, I go see a chiropractor every three weeks. So, <laughs> <laughs> let me ask you a quick question about the movie. And uh, you know, I don't know. And and Sean, feel if if this is getting into territory you'd rather not uh, talk about. You know, feel free to edit this. Um, when Trekkies came out, and I'm a, I'm a you know I've been a a Trekkie all my life. Um, mm -hmm. When the movie Trekkies came out, uh, it really, it, as much as it, it, it showed a lot of what Trek fandom is like, 
they really seem to focus on the the fringes and the real the real kind of wackos in the in the fandom. Yeah. Uh, and I I have since heard that you know that that I don't know if it was like people that were in interviewed for Trekkies but kind of got pushed to the wayside because they were too normal. You know, there was definitely <laughs> a bit of a bias to the film. Um, did you feel any of that with with uh, with Ghost Heads, or was it a pretty good representation of, of the people you know anyway? Well, like I said, everybody in Ghost Heads, uh, they're all my friends. Um, uh, Craig and, and Abby, the the engaged couple that was featured. I cried uh, when, when they showed the, <laughs> the proposal. Um, Craig and Abby are two really good friends of mine. They live up in Atlanta. And um, we flew out to... Back in March, we flew out together, out to Sony and back. Um, they're members of the Georgia Ghostbusters, and and they're incredible people. They're, they're sweet people, and I talk to Craig at least once or twice a week. Um, you know, so we're, we're really good friends. Tom Gephardt, um, uh, the guy who was, who was featured from New Jersey. Uh, Tom is a good friend of mine. Um, yeah, it... And the, these are all just, you know, everyday normal people. I think Brendan uh, and Tommy, the the producer, I, I think I think those guys did a really good job of, you know, at least digging into normal people's lives and why they love Ghostbusters so much. Um, I do have a lot of friends who are, you know, who are that type. They're just everyday people. And, you know, we go to work. We, we have other activities, other hobbies. But, yeah, we will throw on a flight suit, throw on a pack, and we're not afraid to go out in public like that. But you don't uh, commute to work in an Ecto-1? I have friends that do, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, by the way, let me, let me just clarify, because I, I was thinking about what I said, and I, and I, I thought it might I, – I wasn't saying that I thought the people on the screen were, were wackos or anything. I mm-hmm. just wanted to I just wanted to see if, if – uh, Except you know, for if Dan felt like there was. Well, <laughs> well, I loved it how they explained about how he came from some long line of like spiritual advisors or, or whatever would, you want to call it. Well, I wasn't like, saying he would. He didn't just, act weird in that movie. I was just I've seen interviews with him that make me think that he's not he's not all there. <laughs> right, right, right. But see, I always thought it was just him. But in Ghost Heads, they kind of explained like. Oh no! His father and his father's father and his father, father, mm-hmm. father—they all were kind of like, I don't want to say crazy, but they all kind of believed this way of these spiritual planes and yeah. ghosts and whatnot, and crystal yeah. head vodka. <laughs> That's actually pretty good. Um, but uh, <laughs> the uh, the the book his his dad Peter wrote a book. Um, and the, the name of it escapes me, but it came out a few years ago. Dan wrote the forward to it, um, but it's it's all about it's all about his family's experience uh, and his ancestry uh, with with his family being mediums and and, exp- and trying to explore and explain the supernatural. Uh, so yeah, Dan Dan comes from a long line of that. Yeah, just well, the the the, uh, the honest trailer um, on YouTube for Ghostbusters and for Ghostbusters Two, they love to throw the clip from him on Larry King talking about aliens in there. <laughs> 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 but, but the uh, the now, movie kind of reminded me of um, 
I don't know if you saw, there was a documentary that came out last year on Netflix called Back in Time, which was the same kind of deal, but with Back to the Future fans. So I think every kind of uh, film franchise has fans that really uh, connect with it in some way. You know, you obviously we've seen a lot of uh, uh, things about Star Trek fans. We've seen things about Star Wars fans. This was the first documentary or anything really that focused on Ghostbusters fans that I had ever seen. And I, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. So if you, it's on Netflix. If you, if you liked uh, back, back in time, or if you like, like what Rick was talking about, Trekkies. I think there's two of those, Trekkies and Trekkies too. Uh, yeah. Then check out Ghost Heads. You'll either. like it. Yeah. Well, the second one just kind of. I mean, there's some new people on there, but they go back and revisit some of the people from the first one. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. It was just kind of. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. Well, well I, I was I, gonna. I, oops, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, that's go okay. Ahead, um, I in the extended version of Ghost Heads uh, that will make its way to DVD. You'll definitely see a lot more of us. Um, you know, the, I think just the net, the Netflix version, uh, they really wanted to focus on, on three or four people. And, and so you'll find out a lot more about a lot, a lot of us. Um, there is another documentary coming out about Ghostbusters itself. It's not going to focus on the fans too much, but it's called cleaning up the town. Um, and it's been in development for years. Yeah. The Australian one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, Sorry to take a cake, but uh, I announced both of these on our like what to look for in 2016 show. <laughs> I tell you what, when I saw the uh, when I saw Ghost Heads on the Netflix queue, I had I had not heard of it, and then I read the uh, the menu and it, and it said it was a documentary about the fans and stuff. But when I first saw it, the first thing that came into my mind was I don't know if you've ever heard of Asylum Films. Mm-hmm. But every time a big blockbuster movie comes out, they oh, yeah. they they make they make a cheap uh, copy of it, like Transmorphers, when, Transmorphers, Snakes on a Train, you know stuff like that. <laughs> so when I saw Ghost Heads, I was like, oh man, they've already made a knockoff of Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> well, like we can tell Brock, you know, imagine my disgust when the real Ghostbusters was on Saturday morning cartoons. And uh, this is back in the day where I took the TV guide from the newspaper and mm-hmm. would program the VCR that way. And yes. I saw Ghostbusters. And then I come home and I'm watching the tape. And it's like that, that 70s one, one remember? The, the, oh, with the gorilla, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I swear that may have been the only time where I like yanked the tape out and like throwing it on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> I, so oh, that's, but, where me, that's where me being older comes into play because I watched... Oh, <laughs> Ghostbusters as a kid, the the live action one with the we talked about this on our on our uh, 60s or 70s or 80s show. I forget which one it was, but yeah. uh, Larry, Storch. Um, Larry Storch and, and uh, Forrest Tucker. Yeah. Yep. And and the gorilla. <laughs> yeah, they played the they played Spencer, Tracy and Kong. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Dan Aykroyd. Um, you know, like his father, father's father, uh, one of the mediums. Wasn't that where they got the uh, Tobin's Guide from, or Tobin's from the movie? You remember what I'm talking about? I mean, I, I know, I know I, what Tobin's Guide is, but I don't know if that's I, where they got the name from. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe I was just imagining things, but I could have sworn I just heard that uh, from when they were talking about that in Ghost Heads. No, I just I, I remember as a kid, you know, they kept bringing up Tobin's Spirit Guide, and I kept thinking, I want that book. <laughs> <laughs> that book is very convenient. Every ghost that they're looking for is in that book. 
mm-hmm. which it's it's actually out now in hard copy. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, uh, Eric Burnham, the guy who who's been writing the Ghostbusters comic books from IDW, um, put out a hard uh, a hard copy of it um, just a couple of months ago. You can get it off Amazon. Mm. You know what else you can get off Amazon? Everything. Ghosts of our past. Yes. <laughs> What is that? Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that later. No. Oh, okay. Well, I want to move um, into talking about the uh, the the new Ghostbusters 2016 reboot, and um, we're all going to have. I mean, all of us have seen the film. Am I am I correct? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So I'm going to just give the audience a spoiler alert because we're going to talk about the film as a bunch of guys that have seen the film and like you know sitting around having a beer afterward, you know. So, if you haven't seen Ghostbusters and you do care about spoilers, then you probably don't want to listen to probably the next twenty thirty minutes of the of the episode. So, and uh, we're gonna have a uh, probably a spirited debate because uh, I know Anthony didn't like the film. So, so we're but we're gonna get into all that. Call it me out now. And by the way, we're not <laughs> drinking beer. We're drinking Ecto Cooler. <laughs> I'm drinking Mountain Dew. I don't know. No, I have a glass of water here. <laughs> but I'll just, I, I'll start. I want to say that I went into Ghostbusters when I heard about that they were making the film originally. Well, I was excited because I had heard for years, oh, Ghostbusters 3 is coming. Ghostbusters 3 is coming. But they said that for, you know, 25 years. But they finally said that they're going to make Ghostbusters, but it's not going to be a sequel. It's going to be a reboot. When I heard reboot, I was like, oh, no, you know, they we we get reboots every well every year really of something and 9 times out of 10 they just don't hit with me but when i went into this film i tried to just talk to myself and keep get, tell myself keep an open mind i knew that what i wanted was ghostbusters 3 but that wasn't ever going to happen at least not in the traditional way that i wanted it to so um the studio had decided that they were going to do a reboot and it was going to be all women playing the parts. Now, I don't have anything against women. You know, I would have been perfectly happy with a team made up of men and women or anything like that. But I was thinking, you know, Paul Feig directing it. I thought that they were going to make bridesmaids with proton packs, you know, <laughs> and it was going to end up being a chick flick or something. But I went in, I sat down, I watched the movie, and I just decided I was just going to relax. I was going to watch the movie, enjoy it with my family. And when I did watch it, I actually really enjoyed the movie. Now, I've only seen it once, but I thought the ladies did a great job. Melissa McCarthy, I really like her. I've been, I've, I was a big fan of Mike and Molly, and most of the films that she's made, I've liked. Uh, she gets a bad rap sometimes because, you know, she has a shtick that she kind of does a lot. But... I haven't seen The Heat that has Sandra Bullock in. That's the only one that I think that I've uh, seen, not seen with her in it. But I thought all the women had a had a good chemistry together. Kate McKinnon's weird character was probably my favorite part of the movie because she didn't her character didn't really drive the plot, but she was just kind of there to be weird. <laughs> but my my favorite joke in the whole movie was when they were in the subway and they were about to test the proton pack and she says, "What's your iron level?" <laughs> just that made me that made me laugh out loud, but uh I want to give uh you guys a chance to talk about it a little bit and I'll I'll, I'll back up and Brock, what would you think of Ghostbusters? <clears throat> well, <laughs> I'll give you I'll give you the backstory. 
Okay. I, I, I was exactly, you know, in the, in the same boat. I heard the term reboot, and then I saw Paul Feig was going to direct it. And I remembered Bridesmaids and how crude it was. Yeah. And, you know, I was very much, oh, no. I, you know, before even any casting announcements had made, I, you know, like everybody else, oh, Melissa McCarthy's going to be in it. I am one who does, I'm a person that does not care for Melissa McCarthy. Um, <laughs> I have not seen anything that I've liked her in. Um, I, I cannot stand her shtick that she does. But um, I knew nothing about Kate. I knew nothing about uh, about Leslie because I had not, I, I have not watched Saturday Night Live in years. I just, I'm, back in the early 2000s, I just kind of got turned off to it. Yeah. Um, Rightfully so. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when, when the casting announcements were made, I cringed. I'm like, okay, I'm okay with Kristen Wiig, sort of. And then I went and I watched Kate on SNL, and I'm like, okay, she's funny. And then I saw Leslie, and I'm like, nope, she's a little too brash for my yeah. my taste as well. So with all that go with all that combined. Knowing the comedies that Paul had put out, knowing the ladies who were in it, I was like, okay, I'm not looking forward to this. The fact it was going to be a reboot just really got my blood pressure going. Didn't appreciate that at all. Because, and everybody's heard this line from the first movie, when Vinkman, Stance, and Spangler are coming out of the bank... Vinkman says the franchise rights alone will make us rich beyond our wildest dreams. Yeah. <laughs> that line set up franchises. That's why the Alabama Ghostbusters exist today. And why so many other franchises exist is because that line made it possible. Yeah, and I got a theory about that, but please keep going. <laughs> I'm going to make a note here about it. Okay. Well... I'm thinking if they would have taken these four ladies and I don't, I don't care that they were ladies. I don't care if it was a mixed group. I didn't care if it was all guys. I just want a good Ghostbusters movie. If they would have taken that and if the original guys would have been able to hand off all the knowledge and stuff to a franchise and, you know, it just, it just came to light in Empire Magazine this past week that, that Paul said it was originally intended to be a Boston franchise. It wasn't going to take place in New York. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, well then, well, of course, you know, knowing what I know now, I'm like, well, that, you know, that's, that's fine. It, it, it could have worked as a Boston franchise. Well, I, I tried to keep quiet about it because I had a lot of friends and everybody has seen all the internet hate that the movie got and all the lively discussion, even well before it came out, I sat quietly and I had, you know, private conversations with friends and, you know, I I dogged it because I just I wasn't looking forward to it. I didn't want anything to do with a reboot. Then, because of all the charitable efforts and stuff that the ALGB has done, and because I ran the group for five years, back at the end of February, I got a phone call from uh, Ghost Corps out in California at Sony. And they're like, hey... Um, you know, we, we, we know what you guys have been doing, and we want to, you know, give you the opportunity to come out here. We're going to hold an event. Um, you're going to get a chance to meet with Paul Feig. You're going to get a chance to meet with Ivan Reitman. And 
we're going to treat you to a world premiere of the trailer. And I'm like, okay, just to be able to go out to Sony where, you know, that is the home of Ghostbusters and to be able to go into Ghost Corps and, and meet Ivan and meet Paul, I'm like, yeah, I'm all on board with that. You know, I think that'll be a fun trip. So when we got out to California um, and we got to the Sony lot, um, one of the first people I met was Paul Feig. He was just walking around outside cool. Ghost Corps, and I I was able to stop him and talk to him, and my perception of him changed almost immediately because he is sincerely one of the nicest guys you ever want to meet, and he was extremely nice. So I'm like, okay, personality plays a lot, in my opinion, with people. Yeah. So the the bad thoughts I tried to shove back. I'm like, okay, he's he's been real nice. Then they let us go into this room and have brunch. Um, and while we were in there, we couldn't pull out our cell phones and take pictures of stuff, but they had a lot of the screen-used props sitting in there for us to look at and touch and everything. And, and I'm like, okay, I'm really digging the tech. Uh, I really enjoyed being able to see things up close, put my hands on them, and... You know, there was somebody there who would kind of explain without giving out too many details about what everything did because they, you know, we were just about to see the trailer. We weren't going to see the any of the the, the actual movie, but yeah. Um, so you're talking about all props from the new movie? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I got to I got to touch Kate McKinnon's pack. Mm-hmm. You know, it's <laughs> you know, it's kind of like man, you you get to touch her pack, and then you go up to Veronica Belmont and ask her to sign your motherboard. But, you know. <laughs> but uh, so, long story short, um, we get there, we see the props, we they they take us into the theater, and Ivan Reitman comes out, talks to the audience. Um, there's only about sixty of us there that were invited. Um, talks to the audience, and then Paul comes out, talks to the audience, and Paul is nervous as a rip. I mean, he's up there visibly shaking. He's like, and one of the first things out of his mouth was, "Oh my gosh, you guys are here finally!" <laughs> you know, there's a bunch of khaki flight suits out in that audience, and there's a bunch of packs lining against the wall. The fans he had been interacting with, and 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 potentially hearing a whole lot of hate from, was sitting right in front of him. Yeah. And so he was shaking, and he was nervous, but then they showed the trailer. And everybody got up and gave it a standing ovation <laughs> and asked for an encore. And he goes, wow, you guys really liked it. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And so we saw it again. And after that, we got to go hang out in front of Ghost Corps. We got to go into the Ghost Corps offices. Um we got to uh, hang around the the two Ectos, the original Ecto-1 and the new Ecto-1. Um, Ivan gave us all membership certificates into the Ghost Corps family, uh, gave us pins, the Ghost Corps cadet pins that we can wear now. Um, and they, he and Paul both you know, signed things, talked with us. Um, and if you noticed in Ghost Heads, there's a gentleman by the name of Ryan Kemp. Mm-hmm. Um, from the uh, Western Kentucky Ghostbusters. Ryan is a very good friend. Of, excuse me. Ryan was a good friend of mine. Um, unfortunately, he was yeah, he was killed in a car wreck uh, last October. Well, Paul had met Ryan uh, at a previous convention in Chicago, and Ryan was the first person, the first dressed-up Ghostbuster that Paul met. 
Ryan was a sweet guy, very funny, very down to earth. And Ryan walked up to Paul and Ryan told me at the time, Paul's first words out of his mouth was, oh gosh, please don't hit me. I'm not going to ruin your childhood. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so, but Ryan's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And so he and Paul got to meet a couple of times um, while Ryan was alive. And so I had that in my mind uh, when I met Paul was, I want to talk to him. I, I want to hear a little bit about the film, but I want to talk to him about Ryan. Um, because when Ryan was killed last October, Paul tweeted out a little tribute to him. Um, so I went up and I told him exactly how close Ryan and I were. Ryan stayed in my room at Dragon Con for a few years. Uh, we, we visited each other. Um, I miss him terribly. And being able to tell Paul that face-to-face, um, you know, he and I shared a couple of Ryan stories between each other. And, and, um, and I asked him, I said, if there's one thing I want to see in this movie, I really hope that you'll include a tribute in the credits to Ryan, uh, kind of an immemorial. I said, because that man loved Ghostbusters like nobody I've ever seen in my life. And Paul looked at me. He said, I really want to do that. I'm going to do everything I can to do that. He said, I think that would be extremely fitting, and nobody deserves it more, so I will do my best. And I said, great. So, that you know, he, I gave him some time with some other people and um, went off, talked to Ivan. And I know I'm rambling. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, we got to meet Paul and Ivan and got to take pictures with all of them. And uh, after that, we got to eat lunch with with Ivan. And he came around to each of our tables and spent a few minutes individually with us. Um, and so I've known he, – he told us a few things that we were – having to keep under wraps. Um, I knew about the cameos. I knew about the Harold Ramis uh, bus that shows up in the movie. Yeah. I, I didn't know, I didn't know how Harold was going to show up in the movie, but Ivan looked at us, looked at all of us and said, don't tell anybody outside of this room, but Harold's in the movie. I'm not going to tell you how, but Harold's in it. So you guys are the only ones who know that. Like, okay, that's really cool. Um, and then that's when he also told us at the time, which was unknown, that they were going to start working on an animated series. They're going to work on an animated movie. Um, both of those are now in the works. Um, he told us that there will be a direct sequel to this new movie. And then he told us, and I, I have no problem saying this now because it's been it's been speculated and, and reported on, but potentially there's going to be a movie after that sequel that will tie the new movie and the old movies together um the animated movie uh now i i read an article about the about the series i know the series is supposed to take place in like 2050 or something like that but yeah. is the animated movie going to be about peter and egon and ray and winston or is it going to be about a new team or do you know I, I don't know. He just mentioned the animated movie. He did tell us at the time it had been halfway written, and that was back in March. Um, and then in April or May, they named a director for it. So that's moving ahead, but I don't know the details of it. Okay. But uh, knowing I, – I, I've said all that to say this. Knowing what I learned out in, at Sony in March, my thoughts changed completely about – the new movie 
I'm like, okay, instead of hating on it, I'm going to give this thing a fair shot because I've heard from the men who have created this and I've heard about the future plans. I'm really excited about the future plans. I still wasn't overly excited about the new movie, but I said I'm I'm going to finally just let go and and watch it with an open mind. Well, after the premiere, um, two, two, three weeks ago now, uh, that Monday after the premiere, uh, I, have, I was able to go to Atlanta to an advanced screening put on by Sony, um, and we got to watch it in IMAX 3D uh, that Monday before it was released everywhere. And I, I, I was nervous. I was so nervous sitting in that theater. Uh, me and a whole bunch of my friends were were there. And were like, what is this gonna? How is this gonna turn out? Because the trailers, the trailers were not that great. I mean, that's just that's just a fact. <laughs> and so we got into the movie. We watched it, and I genuinely found myself laughing at quite a bit. And when the movie was over. We walked out of there and I said, it's time to build a reboot pack. I, I'm not saying that I just have 100% that it's great. It was enough to make me laugh. They took all the crudeness out of it that I thought was going to be in there. That was my biggest fear was how crude it was going to be. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't, it had, it had a couple of moments, but it wasn't, I was happy about that. Um, I did laugh. Do I think it's as cerebral as the original? By no means. Is it going to replace the original? Oh heck, no. No. <laughs> did I? Did I have a good time watching it? Yes. I checked my brain at the door, and I laughed. And I went back to see it a second time, and laughed just as much. And it just it it gave me. Even though the, the the numbers are not that great, the reviews have been okay, uh, still a lot of my friends bash it. I don't praise it. I don't bash it. I'm just thankful it was done in a way that I could live with. Yeah. So I think I'm out of breath now. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rick, what did, what did you think? Okay. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I had pretty much the same uh, experience that that both y'all did, minus going out to California. Uh, but uh, you know, I went into the when the trailers came out. Uh, well, okay, let's go back. When they first announced they were rebooting it, and it was all women. Uh, yeah, I didn't have a problem with all women. I had a problem with reboot. Yeah, you know, and you know, it's like, why are you touching this classic? Because. Ghostbusters is that it's a classic because uh, I remember when it before it came out um, when the trailers for the original Ghostbusters came out my friends and I were all I think cautiously optimistic might be the right word for it because at that point there had been several SNL alumni uh, movies that just were terrible uh, you know, I, I, other than Ghostbusters, and that wasn't directly an SNL movie, I think we had, uh, and this was before, long before Wayne's World, so uh, Blues Brothers was really the only yeah. SNL alum movie yeah. that was any, that was worth a damn. Yeah, I was going to say, you better watch it. That's the greatest musical <laughs> of all time. <laughs> yeah. No, Blues Brothers is untouchable. Uh, the, the sequel, we won't talk about. Uh, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, 
you know, we were like, this looks like it could be fun, but we've been burned before. And then, you know, we, you know, history was made. Um, that's not to say that the original Ghostbusters hits with every single joke. I'm sorry, the the uh, Dan Aykroyd's ghostly dream sequence yeah, really needs to be cut out of that movie because not 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 for I don't have any prudish problems with it. It just doesn't fit with the rest of the film. And I you know I later found out that it was part of you know one of the the, the more elaborate weird original script lines <laughs> that mm-hmm. um it wasn't originally a dream sequence but anyway um <laughs> but uh so as as we went on though some somewhere along the lines i just kind of snapped and went you know what i'll give this movie a shot uh and then the first and then uh, the first trailer came out and i was kind of ambivalent about it and this was just before the con um if I'm getting my, my timeline right. Uh, and I, I watched it, and I was like, okay, this could be okay. And this was when it was, you know, 30 years ago, three scientists or yeah, four I scientists saved the... I don't even know why. And I was like, all right, it is a sequel. Cool. And then the de- and the debate started going on about, no, that's not what they're saying. Yes, they are saying it. And then the studio came out and said, no, that's not what we're saying. And I was like, oh, man, I really don't know what I feel about this. And then, Brock, we, saw, we, we went to your panel. Mm-hmm. And one of you guys, I don't remember which one of y'all said it, but you said something that really clicked with me. You said that this was a Ghostbusters for today's generation. Yep. And that just totally shredded all of my objections to every reboot that's happened. (laughs) (laughs) Because I hadn't looked at it that way. I looked at it as we think the original needs to be improved upon and and so we're going to do that. But you were absolutely right by saying, uh, you know, it's not so much a matter of the original needed help and we can do it better. It was the original was great for its time. Now we're going to do one for today's audience. And so I I went to the movie, you know, and, and actually this was my wife's and my 14th wedding anniversary was the Thursday before we went to see it on that. We, we saw it uh, at an early show uh, on that Friday when it came out. Because uh, I'm off for the summer, I'm a, te- I'm a teacher. I'm off for the summer. She she was uh, she gets off in the afternoon. So we went to see like a two o'clock matinee, um, and I was like, "Remember, thou art mortal." Sort of, you know, going in my mind, going, "This is just a movie. It's a new movie. Don't you know? Don't fight it. Just let it be what it is." And I kind of succeeded with that, but not fully. And then somewhere around the 45-minute mark, and I wish I could remember because I haven't had a chance to go back and see it again or I could tell you what exactly the joke was. But something happened, and I, and I legitimately laughed out loud. And that just broke the ice in my brain. And I just sat back at that point and enjoyed the hell out of the rest of the movie. Um, one thing I was really worried about was that uh, – uh, what's her name? Leslie – Leslie Jones. Um, Leslie, Jones. Leslie Jones's character in the mm-hmm. trailers, they made it look like, oh, here we go again mm-hmm. with another, you know, over the top black woman stereotype, you know, terror. You know, but she was she was the best part of the movie almost. I agree. Um, you know, her her performance was way more subtle and and touching than than the trailer made it look like. Um you know, the only person I had tr- I had a problem with, and again, I need to see it again because it may just may just 
go away on a second viewing uh, was the 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 woman who played Holtzman. Kate there McKinnon, were a few. Yeah. Yeah, there were a few moments where it really felt like she was trying a little too hard to be goofy, weird, mm-hmm. um, whereas everybody else was really playing their characters straight. And you know, that's kind of you know, I grew up watching Monty Python, and I'm I'm very much a believer in, and I, I've I've directed improv troops and sketch comedy troops and stuff. I'm very much a believer in play the character straight and let the let the situations be funny. Um, and but that's ninety nine percent of what they did in this movie. Uh, I had no background with any of the women. Uh, the only I'd seen Kristen Wiig in in uh, The Martian, and that was it. <laughs> um, so I was it was a clean slate for me as far as they go. I had no 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 prejudice, no baggage for them whatsoever. Chris Hemsworth was a blast. You could tell he was having a ball with the character. Yeah, yeah. Um, all the cameos were awesome. Not every joke landed, but you know, like I said, the original you know had the same problem. Uh, there were moments where I got choked up. Uh, the, I, I, I won't spoil, but the thing after the end of the credits, I was like giggling like a schoolgirl. Uh, well, we already yeah. said we were going to spoil, so yeah, yeah, but yeah. I don't, I don't want to spoil that one though. I want to let that, uh, <laughs> but, uh, I just, I had a really well, wait, good time. Wait, which, which you're talking about? Oh, the, the, oh, oh, the after, after the credits, credits thing. Not yeah, after after credits, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, that. But if you didn't like the movie, I'm, I would imagine that being told there's a sequel coming because and and brock i'm so glad you confirmed that because my, that was a debate with my wife and i, I said that's definitely saying there's going to be a sequel she's like no it's just a joke like oh it's gonna be <laughs> so uh we really enjoyed it it was a great uh an- anniversary movie i was pleasantly surprised uh i fully intend to see it again i hope i can catch it in theaters before it goes away i'm not sure if i'm gonna have time but uh i think it was i i, I don't have a bad word to say about it but uh, speaking about after the credits at you know before the end of the credits after the after the music credits you know i mentioned i'd asked paul about uh about putting ryan uh, a little in memoriam in the movie and i cried like a baby when the music credits rolled up and there was you know dedicated to super fan ryan kemp you know and, and for all his support and and just i i i knew that that was coming uh, uh, Robin Shelby, uh, who was one of my best friends, um, she she played Slimer in Ghostbusters Two, and she was also the voice of Lady Slimer in the new movie. <laughs> Robin was walking out of because she she knew how much that was that was meant that would mean to me, and she she knew I had asked Paul directly to to put something about Ryan in there. She was leaving the premiere that Saturday in L.A. And she called me walking out of the Chinese theater, and she said, I only have a second, but I want you to know he did it. Ryan's name is in the credits. <laughs> That's awesome. And I, I broke down in tears. I'm like, oh, my gosh, he listened. And that that just did my heart so much good. But um, So that, that was nice to see in the credits. And going back to Leslie... I, I'm totally with you, man. I thought she was going to be just this screaming black woman. And it was like, no, please don't do that. And I loved her character probably the most out of any of them because she was a historian of the city. You know, not a, yeah. you know, she, she said, oh, well, this building does this, 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 this. And, you know, this history is about the building. And then, oh, you know what happens at this intersection? Or, you know, she was, she offered, she offered good points to to what they were looking for 
And so that really, really surprised me and just made me totally love uh, Patty as a character. Can, can I just throw one more thing out before we, we move on to Anthony? One, one other thing that I really liked about the film is that while you can certainly say she was the Ackroyd character, she was the, the, the Murray character, she was... They weren't aping their counterparts. Yeah, I didn't get that. There was no attempt to make the women be just female versions of what was in the original movie, and I really, really loved it for that. Yeah, they they were their own characters. They really were. Absolutely. And I loved that Chris Hemsworth was, and my my wife loved it too, that he was filling every bimbo stereotype that there was. You know, know, (laughs) aquariums are just submarines for fish, you know, (laughs) just out of nowhere. And then, uh, and I also liked that even though it was a primarily female cast, none of the women were sexualized. You know, there wasn't tons of cleavage or anything like that. So I felt comfortable sitting there with my daughter (laughs) watching this. Nobody was getting their pants unzipped by a ghost. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And and speaking about the kids and and what I had mentioned, uh, you know, during the panel about this movie being the Ghostbusters for a new generation. Perfect example is, you know, I saw I saw the original Ghostbusters back in 84 when I was seven years old. And I remember loving it, and that's what hooked me. That's why I'm such a Ghostbusters fanatic today. It's because I saw that, and I'm like, my entire life I wanted a proton pack. Now that I've got a job and I'm an adult, I could build one. And, you know, I I sat there and I watched my kids. I I let them see the movie. And they saw the original, and they liked it. They loved the original. Um, They didn't think it was long enough, which really... (laughs) <laughs> it kind of struck me as funny. I'm like, really? That was a long enough? Like, no, we wanted more. Yeah. And I'm like, you kids today have a shorter attention span. What's that about? But, and my, my daughter is 10, my son is seven. And I felt comfortable enough. I knew that, you know, a couple of the ghost parts in the new movie were scary, but I felt comfortable enough to, to take them. And that says a lot for a Paul Feig movie. Um, I felt comfortable enough and watching my kids watch the new movie they went ballistic. They went nuts. It's all they talked about the entire week. They loved it. And so, you know, I got them, uh, I've got them the, the new proton packs that, uh, the toys that came, you know, from, uh, from target. Um, and they play with it all the time. They, they know that daddy's always loved ghostbusters. Daddy has a proton pack and all the, you know, the trap, the PKE meter and all this stuff. But now they've got their own stuff, and they are playing with it like crazy. And they, they love the movie. So now I'm hoping that they'll be like I was at that age and just carry the love for Ghostbusters, you know, long into their adulthood. Okay, Anthony, I will remind First. you I will remind you that this is a family show. <laughs> I told you I could bleep it. <laughs> Okay, what did you think uh, of Ghostbusters? Yeah. First off, before I get into that, uh, I just want to talk about my experience, uh, first experience with a ghost head. So, long story short, uh, I was driving with some family through a small little town up in Pennsylvania, and um, there is an arcade, like where they have kind of, you know, all the old school, you know, things that required quarters, all those old arcade games. And they had a giant inflatable... Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, uh, Slimer, and 
there was it was a, a station wagon that was converted to look like the uh, the Ecto One, and I was driving, so I of course like you know pulled over violently, and I was like, I must know what's going on in this building. Like we were on our way home, and I completely just diverted the trip, and uh, you know ran into this building, and I see a big guy standing there from the new Philadelphia Ghostbusters, and he's in the the full flight suit, proton pack, and everything. And I was just like, what? what? My, my brain did not, could not process the, the joy that I was feeling. And, you know, we started talking about everything that he does and, um, you know, birthday parties, uh, visits, things like that, of that nature. And I had no idea that existed. And when I saw, you know, it wasn't Egon or Spangler or Venkman on uh, his name patch. It was his actual name. And like they touched on that in Ghost Heads, I thought that was so cool because, you know, it's a franchise. Anybody can be a Ghostbuster. It's a job. It's like being an exterminator for, Mm -hmm. you know, the supernatural. And I was just so blown away by it and uh, just... It was such an awesome experience that will completely remain in my memory about how I probably scared the piss out of my mother by just jerking the wheel and, like, (laughs) you know, basically driving down an alley, like, probably at about 25 miles an hour and then, like, parking and, like, you know, doing that thing where you park so hard the back of your car jumps up (laughs) because you stopped so hard and, like, ran out. I only think I shut my driver door. I like literally like got out of the car and ran to the front of this building. But yeah, I totally cool what you guys do. Uh, I absolutely love it when people will put on a costume and go see kids in the hospital, uh, just to bring up somebody's mood a bit and brighten up their day. I think you know that work is really really special. And whether or not it's a Ghostbuster or Ninja Turtle or Batman or a Disney princess or anything like that, what have you. It takes a really, really special breed of person to do that. And uh, thank you to all those people out there who do do that. Uh, I don't actually have the courage to do that. Um, to There's a great Woody Allen line that's, uh, I don't want to be a member of a club that would have me as a member. <laughs> so that's Groucho Marx. Oh, is it? My bad. Well, <laughs> hey, he stole it and put it in one of his movies. <laughs> I believe um, I will say that you will lose a lot of dignity and shame uh, to get that courage. <laughs> I, I, I didn't ever want to go out and, and do things like that either. But once once I got that proton pack on my back, I was like, you know what? I don't care what people say when they see me. Um, well, we've, I mean, we, but... we, 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 we've had some strange looks, but we've had more people. And especially, like you said, the, the, the kids uh the, the kids who who just need that moment away from reality for a bit they light up man and that it, it's the greatest thing in the world absolutely and what i mean by that is uh you know i may have some anxiety issues and maybe some self esteem issues which may prevent me from doing something like that but i actually know some people that actually do that uh so god bless them all right, now into the review. <laughs> so, I, I, I'm sorry. I have to be honest. I can't sugarcoat this. It would not be doing my my duty as a critic, as a uh, you know the internet certified critic as we all are. 
All right, so let's just start from the beginning. Uh, when I heard that they were making a new Ghostbusters movie, I was thrilled. I had such high hopes for this, uh, that it would honor the franchise and be a passing of the torch to the new generation so that they can experience the same joy and love of this movie that I had when I was a young boy, uh, nay, a young Ghostbuster. Because when I was four years old, uh, my mom's friend, who was a costume designer and seamstress, actually made her son and I Ghostbusters costumes. Uh, we had the proton packs and the ghost traps, uh, you know, those, that like blue one that was kind of made by Kenner, you know, like the plasticky ones. The head, the, yeah, from the, the real Ghostbusters. The Nerf oh, thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, from yeah, the cartoon. So yeah, I broke the trap, like, immediately after I played with it, like, for the first time. But anyway, I think my dad, like, just duct-taped it back together. But anyway, so we would run all over the house and all over the neighborhood playing Ghostbusters, and I even swore that my mom's friend rearranged the groceries inside of her fridge to look just like the shot in the movie when they open up the fridge. But I don't actually think she did that, but in my four-year-old mind, I'm like, you know... The Oscar Mayer baloney's on the right, just like in the movie. <laughs> um, and I was recently talking to my parents about this uh, because the new movie came out. And apparently, I wore that uniform for years. And I wasn't old enough to be in school yet, but if my mom ever had to go grocery shopping or anything like that, I mean, we weren't going to any, like, you know, fancy fine dining restaurants with a four-year-old, but... Uh, wherever I would go, I would be wearing that uniform. So it's uh, it's it's very special to me. And I was actually having a little chuckle today because I was thinking of a younger me getting on the grocery store loudspeaker and saying, like, you know, clean up in all nine. We got a, a full class five roaming vapor in the house. <laughs> but, I mean, it's just, you know, I entertain myself in my own head. So... When I first heard that they were making a sequel to Ghostbusters, or at least when I first thought that it was going to be a sequel to uh, Ghostbusters 2, uh, and then later on that changed into rebooting the franchise altogether, I was a little disappointed, but I was still giving it a chance. Uh, you know, the fact that it was an all-female cast or Paul Feig as the director didn't have anything to do with it, uh, in fact, I actually went and saw Bridesmaids with the wife in the theaters, and I thought it was hilarious. Uh, side note, I was probably one of the only men in the theater, but hey, brownie points. <laughs> and for me, this movie, I just felt like there was a giant missed opportunity, and it could have been this thing where the original cast was included, and it was this passing of the torch, and we would have seen them much more than just a five-second cameo. Uh, and the fact that it was all four girls, I don't have a problem with that. And they really could have solved it with some sort of line like, oh, you know, well, we discovered that when you get slimed, it removes the blah, blah, blah chromosome, and you can only have a girl after that. Uh, like, I totally would have accepted that. The other idea <laughs> is they could have had, since it is a franchise... You know, what if there were an all-male Ghostbusters team and an all-female Ghostbusters team, and the whole movie was sort of like, you know, the girls are the heroes and the guys are kind of the, not necessarily evil, but they're they're in business and they're their competition, and maybe they're trying to sabotage them, or they're the one trying to get the big contracts and go after the better ghosts, and, you know, hilarity ensues. So, 
for me, I kind of felt that this was a little bit of a missed opportunity and missed the step. And now, <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I mean, I almost unplugged my mic when you were talking because I think I was grinding my teeth for a little bit at some points. <laughs> <laughs> but like I said, I have to be honest. So when I actually saw this, I saw it with the wife. Uh, we actually went on the that Friday on opening night. Um Whatever that was, the, the July 16th, I believe. The 15th, yeah. And uh, 15th? Yeah. Eh, whatever, it was a Friday. So, I mean, I know they do some stuff where, like, a movie will come out on a Thursday or so nowadays. But either way, opening weekend, let's just say. But for me, this movie, it was not good. It There were so many of the jokes did not land... And the whole part about, you know, having to shut your brain off and leave it at the door, part of me agrees with that. And the other part of me says, you know, if this didn't have a whole beloved franchise behind it and, you know, guys like Ivan Reitman, Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray, you know, the late great Harold Ramis behind it, I would kind of agree with that. But for me, it this movie only made me laugh once. And that was about a line from another movie when they were saying about, uh, you know, surprise, surprise, our mayor, who is a man, is evil because all men in this movie must be evil or incompetent and stupid. Uh, you know, it was like, oh, don't be the Jaws mayor. Don't be the mayor from Jaws. So the only laugh this movie got from me was about another movie. <laughs> hey, I'm not making any friends here. <laughs> you, re you really thought that all the guys were, were either evil or stupid? Most of them, yes. And I'll get to that. Uh, like like Kevin's character, the Chris Hemsworth. You know, he's so stupid, his glasses, oh, he wants to itch his eyes, and he reaches up and kind of like touches his eyes directly because his glasses don't have lenses in them, and they're like, oh, what happened to your lenses? And you're like, oh, well, they got dirty, so I threw them away. It was, it was insultingly bad. And the part where there's, uh, later on in the movie, where there's a giant explosion... And instead of covering his ears, he covers his eyes. Yeah, that made, and, me, that made me laugh, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, part of it, if you're like a scared little kid and you don't want to look at the world that's going on around you, but if it's supposed to be a laugh, like if the joke was intended as, well, he's so dumb, he doesn't know that you hear through your ears and see through your eyes, so he's going to, you know, he hears a loud noise and wants to, you know, cover his eyes. But you didn't think that uh, they were just doing that because it's, that's what they've done to women in thousands of movies before and they were trying to reverse that stereotype? To that extreme? To the yeah. extreme where he was, he sees the fish tank and his character is so stupid, He his hand hits the glass like he's a cat and he doesn't know that there's glass so he just keeps re reaching for a phone in a fish tank? If let, let, me, we would let me ask you a quick question. Yep. Do you yep. know any women who are far smarter than they act when they're around certain people? Uh, my wife's actually a scientist. <laughs> well, no, that, that's, we that's did not, not like this movie. That's, no, that's not what I mean. Um, I, okay, no, I, I don't. I don't know any people that actually dumb themselves down around others, but this movie, for me, just felt so dumbed down. But yeah, okay. you can... I mean, well, if no, you like just, to continue... I, I had a I had a student. Okay, I'm a I'm a, a college teacher, and I had a student uh, for the last four years. She finally graduated, 
um, who it, it blew me away when I saw her doing this because when whenever she she worked she worked in my scene shop and she was your classic pretty blonde bimbo type character if you if you called central casting for the the ditzy airhead blonde they would have sent her down and she fulfilled that role whenever there were other people in the shop whenever it was just she and me in the shop suddenly she was as smart as anyone else and smarter and one day i called her on it and said you know you act a whole lot stupider when there's other people around and she's just she just was like yeah it works for me um, well, did you think that it could be maybe some sort of like a defense mechanism or like there, maybe she just didn't want to engage those other people? There, there's a million reasons for it. Part of it was that she that's one of her ways of manipulating people. Um, but I think that's maybe why I got such a kick out of Hemsworth, because I kind of thought they were sort of riffing on that a little bit. Because like, yeah, nobody can be that stupid and, and live. Uh, so I just I just thought it was kind of playing on that. Well, I mean, that's all right, and we all can have different opinions, but the way that I saw it was if we were to reverse those roles in 2016 and that part was played by a female, there would be mass boycotts, and there would be a lot of uproar about that movie and that role. Well, I think but that's I, just my opinion. I, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, 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 see, I see women act like that in movies all the time. I mean, they, they have, especially if you watch some of the... Uh, uh, comedies janine like, was never like that no no i'm but there are movies that come out in modern days where they have female characters that just act like like kim kardashian you know and i think they were just trying to reverse that a little bit possibly and i i get it but for me it just didn't work i thought it was a little t- pushed to the extreme like if it would have uh, oh, I'm not denying that they push it yeah, to the extreme, yeah. but they were doing it for yeah. comedic effect. Like, you know, can I bring my cat? I don't think we need to bring a cat in here. No, my cat is my dog. His name is Mike Hat. <laughs> yeah, which, by, yeah. Which, by the way, that was completely improvised by, Crim's, by Chris Hemsworth. Oh, really? <laughs> that was an improv scene. <laughs> well, uh, funny thing about that, um, as Sean knows this, uh, at that part in the movie, I literally threw my hands up and said, are we seriously effing doing this right now? <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't like the movie. <laughs> can, can I ask you one more, one more quick sure. question, Anthony? And, no, and I'm not, shoot, I'm not trying ahead. to negate your, your opinion because, you know, I totally respect no, no, you. That's... Was there any chance that a Ghostbusters reboot could possibly have, have worked for you? Absolutely. Uh, yes. Okay. Um, you know, I like I was trying to mention before, you know, if they would have done the thing where it was a franchise but not had to be a passing of the torch and it was something where kind of girls versus guys and it was maybe a little bit of a battle of wit between them. But this was this movie was filled with a lot of man hate. And maybe I'm just seeing it because, you know, maybe I've been blind to it all these years and the shoe's on the other foot, and I'm kind of like, hey, wait, wait, they flipped the script. <laughs> but for me, it just did not work. And I don't know the rule on this, but, you know, you guys were talking about this was the Ghostbusters movie for a new generation. Uh, not ten minutes into this movie, and, you know, Sean bleep this or tell me to cut it or whatever. I don't, I don't know the rules on this, but 
Not ten minutes in, we had to have a queef joke. <laughs> Do you remember that? that? I, that's what? the one part I could not stand. Yeah, I that, like that part. For me, that was too much. And for a movie where, you know, if you want to make a film where you want to have young girls look up to and have positive role models and everything, you shouldn't put that in the movie. That's inappropriate. But was that worse than a ghost giving Dan Aykroyd a blowjob? <laughs> eh. It was a different time. I mean, there were ghosts everywhere <laughs> giving blowjobs. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. The the only the only thing in the movie that the only thing in the movie that didn't work for me along those lines was when they shot the giant ghost in the crotch. Oh yeah, that, it was like, that I was like, all right, did you have to go there? But you know what? It was such a minor thing. Yeah. Um, so back to queefs. <laughs> <laughs> so there was this South Park episode where, and I absolutely love that show. And uh, Rick. You are doing yourself a real complete disservice if you have fallen off the wagon on that because it has gotten so much smarter nowadays. Really, uh, I, I watch... stopped after about season four. Yeah, I, I haven't I mean, watched it. Want, I, I will give you just three, like two or three episodes to watch, and if you don't like those, I'll never ask you to watch any ever again. Yeah, sure. But anyway, so Queeves. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the South Park episode, and yeah. I can't remember what season or what episode number it was, but it was this whole thing where, you know, guys think that farts are funny and that women, you know, uh, there was like a, okay, because Terrence and Philip, you know, the bad cardboard animation Canadian cartoon where like, it's nothing but fart jokes. You, yeah. you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, right, yeah. Right. So, so they have that in the universe of South Park. And then all of a sudden it's like, a female version of that comes out, but instead of farts, it's queefs. And there's this whole uproar about it and how all the all the males on the episode are like, oh, that's disgusting. Oh, you can't do that. That's terrible. That's gross. But it's just, maybe it's one of those things where I don't get it because I don't possess a vagina. But for me, that joke was, it. you know, no pun intended, but left a bad taste in my mouth. Sorry, I just went there. <laughs> I'll be honest, I don't remember it. It it was really quick and subtle. It was when um, Kristen Wiig goes to the lab that Melissa McCarthy has, and they get her to listen to a recording that was supposed to be like of a ghost, and there was a fart sound on it, and then Kate McKinnon's character says, oh, and that one came up the front. <laughs> like, it was, it was oh, very, that. very fast. Okay, that, yeah. Yes, okay. yes. And, ah, uh, that was... A bit much. And, you know, to get a female perspective on it, my wife was sitting next to me, and she didn't enjoy it either. Yeah, and I th but I think that people under a certain age probably wouldn't have even got it. No, my my, my kids, it went right over their head. They didn't yeah. laugh at it or anything. They, they didn't react. This movie was also completely filled with all of the dialogue that I hate, the rapid-fire, fast-talking, nonsensical dialogue where nobody talks like that in real life. Uh, you know what I mean, where... The Gilmore Girl <laughs> Syndrome. Yeah. Oh, yes. Thank you. Uh, I felt like I was watching an episode of Gilmore Girls. I, my wife loves that show. I swear to you, last night, they, her and her sister watched the trailer for the new Netflix thing they're going to have, and I'm just like, oh, Jesus, here we go again. <laughs> but it's it's like nobody talks like that in real life. And the whole thing... Kate McKinnon was my favorite part of this movie, but the whole part where 
you know, they're creeping around in that building and then at the at the concert, I believe, and then she has that wig and the hat and the dialogue's just like, oh, is the hat the hat too much? Oh, the hat? Oh, was it the hat that it just it for me it just devolves into, you know, Charlie Brown's teacher where it we really could have just replaced replaced the dialogue with a horn where it's just like it's just it it did not work for me. They do that a lot in those Transformers movies, and I absolutely hate them. So to see that now in Ghostbusters, uh, not cool for me. Well, so there, there were a, there were a few things that that didn't work for me in the in the movie too. I mean, I, like I said, I, I liked most of what I saw. I liked the cameos from almost everybody like in the first film, you know. But there was there was a lot of callbacks to the original that I. It was like I was getting winked and winked at and nudged sometimes, like when they were in the mayor's office and somebody had to say mass hysteria, you know, is like, hey, remember that? Remember mass hysteria? You know, <laughs> and uh, the ending at the ending when uh, Kristen Wiig dives into that abyss and goes flying towards uh, Melissa McCarthy and catches her. I thought that that whole sequence was kind of they had not done anything to show that they were even able of doing those kinds of stunts up to that point. So it didn't, that, that, that winch that part, had an awful lot of cable. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that, that part didn't really work for me, but I do have to, I, I gotta, I gotta give props to John Irons, which is, uh, one of my, uh, co-hosts here on the show that he's not here tonight, but we did a show when he and I went to see, uh, X-Men apocalypse when he was here in Birmingham and we saw the preview for ghostbusters and we were talking about, we did a show afterwards and we were talking about some of the previews that we saw. And I said, I thought that I saw stay puff in the trailer. Well, what I actually saw in the trailer was that ghost, you know, their logo ghost that had become real. And he said, he said, and I, you know, I I could pull the quote and, and put it on the show. So this trailer, we see Slimer, you know, again, and, and we also see the Marshmallow Man uh, yeah. at the very end with, you know, and in the trailer, half of his head has been blown off. So I don't I don't know what happened there, but still, it's the Marshmallow Man. So yeah. so we're going to get a lot of the stuff that we saw in the original uh, film, but just kind of done in a different way and kind of an updated way, because I think they're they're going to try and make the Marshmallow Man look a little. It's hard to make see, a character look, called Marshmallow Man look scary. See, but. As, I was, as I was watching that. It occurred to me that maybe it wasn't the Marshmallow Man because we saw it was a big white puffy entity, Could and, be. It, and it was building is about you know about as tall as like a skyscraper, and like you said, like the left half of its head had been kind of basically burned off or, or melted or whatever. Yeah. And I wondered if it was maybe a a the physical incarnation of the little ghost in the symbol. Like maybe that's how they got this. Yeah, because they, it could like, be this, too. like this was their big bad. Yeah, from their, you know, like made them famous, and you know, so that they use that symbol as uh, as their logo. But he said, you know, it could be some kind of a real life manifestation of their logo. <laughs> so, 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 John, you nailed it. I got to give you props for that. <laughs> and the the thing about the portal. Going back to to what I had mentioned about Ivan talking about a movie that's going to tie both the old and the new together. That I want to see. The the portal 
is and and what they brought up, which uh, out of res- out of respect, I will like you, Rick. I won't uh, won't bring up the uh, exactly what was said in the after after credit scene, but that what was said by Patty in the after credit scene, and then the portal at the end of the movie sets up the ability for alternate universes, which sets up beautifully to me the fact that there there can be a crossover and that all this will tie together. It's kinda like it's kinda like in DC comics when they have the multiverse. Yeah. You know, you've yeah. got all these different worlds, Earth One and Earth Two. That's what this is like. That's what this this whole universe is going to be like. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, the Ghostbusters. Well, I mean, people call it Ghostbusters Three, the uh, video game that came out like around yes. 2008 or so, I believe. Yeah. Uh, if I'm not mis- 2009, thank you. If I'm not mistaken, there is a like play in another dimension where you actually mm-hmm. get to fight a giant slore. Yep. <laughs> yep, you do. And, and and you are very correct. That video game was Ghostbusters three. You can watch if if you want to see the true Ghostbusters three movie, then go onto YouTube and somebody has edited all the cutscenes together, and it's exactly a movie length. Yeah. So there you go. There's your Ghostbusters three with the original cast, set in <laughs> 1992. Hmm. So the other thing that I'll say about the new Ghostbusters, and maybe I'm just an angry man. <laughs> Um, but the color palette pissed me off. The color palette where everything was just too saturated, too bright and vibrant and vivid. It made me feel like I was watching a kid's cartoon show. Like I was, I was being distracted from something. I think that, yeah, I think a lot of that was on purpose because they were trying to cater towards kids. You know, they're trying to make it look, it was a, the, the, the last 20 minutes of the movie was a toy commercial. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's exactly what it was. And it and it goes back to this this movie for the new generation. It is for kids uh that especially that part of it and my kids loved it. I mean, I mean even the kid in me. I mean, come on, I dress up as one of these guys. So I've yeah. got a little bit of I got a little bit of youth left in me. You know, I didn't I I didn't mind. I mean, yeah, there was some oversaturation. I agree. But I'm I'm a very visual person. I love colors. I love bright colors, and so uh, that part, it, you know, I, I felt my my ten year old self coming out and going, "Oh, look, yeah, <laughs> bright, pretty." Yeah, I like I I thought the ghost effects were awesome, uh, and uh, you know, CGI films of the last five or uh, not five or seven years have almost all been in that that uh that that blue and orange palette uh that's just been driving me insane uh so i was really enjoying the bright colors and and the saturated colors and and the, i thought the ghost effects were amazing um so yeah I, it's funny anthony i think you and i are like almost diametrically opposed on this movie <laughs> <laughs> the what that's okay I mean, we can all have yeah. an opinion i don't one thing oh, yeah. that one thing that i didn't like was um the fact that they didn't they didn't have to trap very many of these ghosts, you know. They they, oh, they uh, set up they huh. set up one scene where they trapped that bit the big gargoyle looking ghost. They trapped him and it seemed like the only reason they trapped him was so they could have Bill Murray do his uh Walter Peck esque cameo, you know, uh where mm-hmm. they let him out of the trap. And then after that, most of the ghosts that they 
busted, you know, they just shot him with a proton pack and they exploded in the slime. I think they trapped yeah, a couple or more, they just, but... Or they, they shredded him or something up, like that, yeah. Well, they could have him wrapped up in the proton energy and then they would just kind of, like, fling it and throw them somewhere and then it would be like, oh, Ghost is gone. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that kind of goes back to the video game as well because there are several... Several of those ghosts and entities in the 2009 video game that you wrap up and you slam against the ground. Yeah, to weaken them. Yeah, you weaken them that way. And then uh, you, there, there and are then few that explode them. when they hit the ground. Too. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I played the video game, but it's been <laughs> I haven't played a video game probably in three years. So. <laughs> and there was uh, going back to the different types of equipment. Um, the the part where where Jillian whips out her pistols out of her pack. Yeah, uh, that is. I'm going to give kind of a quick lineage here. That comes from uh, the comic book, uh, the, one of the early Ghostbusters comic books called uh, "Tainted Love." Uh, what was it? That? No, 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 no. I'm thinking of, of a different pack that they came out with. But in in the IDW Ghostbusters comic books, um, Winston has two proton pistols. And that that idea came from one of my friends with the Georgia Ghostbusters. Uh, his name is Mitchell. He was the first one that I could ever recall that decided to build his own custom pack and come out with proton pistols. And so from my buddy to the comics to the big screen now. Cool. Yeah, that part I didn't mind with all the improvised gear with the kind of like brass knuckles and... Uh the sort of, like, rocket launcher and all that kind of stuff. That, I didn't mind. I thought that was kind of cool, how it was not just the same old boring proton pack again or, you know, some sort of uh, SCBA-looking bottle that shoots uh, ooze, like, from the second movie. Self-contained breathing apparatus for anybody that wants to know what SCBA means. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I mean, that's 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 what I see when I look at that. I'm like, I can't think of it as a proton... or. Uh, Whatever they call the packs. Slime blower. Um, right, right, right. Thank you. I had a quick short stint as a firefighter, so I will always forever know that as an SCBA pack or bottle, as we call them. <laughs> the one the cameo that didn't work for me, and not because it wasn't funny, but because it was about 10 years out of date, was Ozzy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know why they did that unless our... he was just, unless he was just there that day and they decided to put him in the movie <laughs> refresh my memory which one are we talking about he was uh, there he was, he was the backstage concert. at the yeah. concert because it was Ozfest. oh oh, right. oh, yeah. Yeah. oh right ozzy osborne okay yeah, yeah. and he but, yelled at each other sharon and i'm like dude you haven't been on tv in how long yeah he yeah. said sharon i'm having another flashback now it would have been it would have been funny if ozzy had been in one of the other two movies but yeah. he wasn't that I remember. But then he says, no. Sharon, I'm having another flashback. You know, oh, ha ha. And then wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Get it. They're from another movie. <laughs> you know? but, but Sharon, and does Sharon fought for divorce from him? Yeah, are, I don't are, think are they still together? together. I don't think so. I think they're, yeah, they split up, but yeah. You know, I, I, I will be perfectly honest. I was not overly thrilled with Bill Murray's cameo. I got to agree with you. I, I, I think he just dialed it in. He was just there because. I mean, if you go back and looked at the uh, look at the leaked Sony emails that, that that were hacked, I mean, they were threatening to sue him because uh, to to be in the new movie because Bill uh, Bill 
one of his contractual agreements for the entire brand of Ghostbusters, if if there's another movie, he has to be one of the people to sign off on it. And they were going to sue him uh, if he didn't sign off on it. Um, so I, I really think that's probably why he did his cameo, but it's also why he just kind of dialed it in. Yeah. Yeah, and and we had talked about it on an episode before that he's he's kind of the reason that Ghostbusters three never really happened because he kept he was the one that didn't want to do it didn't want to do it didn't want to do it and then you know finally Harold Ramis passed away and they weren't going to do it without him yeah so it just it never happened and Bill Murray said well I'll do it but only if you kill me in the first in the first act or something like that and, well, we don't yep. want to we don't want to do that <laughs> yeah he, he he wanted Vinkman to be a ghost and in yeah. a way I mean it wasn't Vinkman but he got killed off in a Ghostbusters movie yeah, so did. yeah he did he got his wish yeah I'd say Ernie Hudson's cameo was my favorite perfect Our yeah. Ernie Ernie is a really good friend of mine um I I've, I've you know been to several conventions with him um uh, his family and I, we send Christmas cards to each other. Um, not, not bragging. Um, but just saying what I, I know him as a genuine person. He is, he is one of the sweetest and funniest guys you ever want to meet. And that really, his, his true personality shone through in his cameo. And I was rolling in the floor when he's like, what do you, what do you mean? It's on the other side, Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> 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 And you know, I, I, you know, I've got four funerals today. Well, just stack them up there. I'm not going to stack them up like flapjacks. <laughs> yeah, yeah for me, Dan Aykroyd, his cameo was my favorite when he's playing like that kind of New York attitude. Like, hey, listen, lady, I ain't afraid of no ghost. I didn't that recognize was... him until he drove away, and I went to my wife. But that was Aykroyd. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dumbass. <laughs> and, and, and the sad thing was, that was the only cameo that got that was officially released in an international trailer. Mm-hmm. When they they, they like, shouldn't have spoiled it. They should have never done that because it was already ruined by the by the international trailer. And it's just like... Um, Bearing the, the lead. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's like when in, in one of the TV spots that was only available for a day officially is when they showed Lady Slimer. Lady oh, Slimer yeah. was not supposed to be seen anywhere until the movie was released that was supposed to be a big surprise and i know for a fact that paul feig didn't want it released but whomever cut those trailers and those tv spots did that and which caused a a firestorm uh, of of comment negative comments which broke my heart because one of my best friends plays the voice of lady slimer and i had known about lady slimer for 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 quite a while i was one of the few to know but um i i was sad to see that show up in a tv spot and then of course youtube being the way it is people grab the grab the footage or a screen capture of it and start talking about it and dissecting it before they even know what's going on so that that was another thing that was ruined that shouldn't have been oh let me also say that i loved that they addressed all the negative youtube comments in the movie that made me laugh when they were sitting there, when, you know, because they had recorded themselves with the ghost and they posted on YouTube and mm-hmm. then they started getting all these negative comments, you know, that made me laugh that they were, that they were addressing the fact that there was all these negative YouTube comments for the, when the trailer came out. Yeah. And that, that was definitely a reshoot. They went back and reshot that just for that purpose. Yeah. Uh, the main villain, Rowan, the little nerdy guy, 
did we have to joke about his virginity when they were kind of beating him up at the end and kicking him in, or uh, hitting him in the groin with the proton packs? <laughs> <laughs> and Rowan, Rowan was such a throwaway villain to me. That, yeah. He, he's one thing I didn't like. Plot um, device, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, you got bullied? Okay, well, give me some more. I want some more backstory. How do you know to how to how do you know to create these these uh, devices that are going to open up portals into the ghost world and and let the ghost in? How do you know how to do that? What's your why? What there, there's got to be more to bully. Yeah, some backstory. Yeah, I was kind of wondering wanted... if they if they were doing like uh, uh, pulling the J.J. Abrams and going to release some comic books that went along with it that was supposed to explain everything that they didn't explain in the movie. <laughs> and the, the the novelization might the the adult novelization i haven't read it um i'm definitely going to get it and read it to see if it does offer up anything like that but i'm hoping i i know that there's going to be uh when the blu-ray comes out there's going to be an extra 15 minutes or so that's going to be added to the movie and i'm hoping beyond hope that that there's some some more depth added to rowan because it yeah he like i said he was just kind of a throwaway it's like okay well, you got bullied. I'm so sorry. So many other people do. How in the world did you know how to make all that stuff that was down in in the basement of that hotel? Yeah. How did yeah. you know? I, that's what I want to know. Well, it's, it's like he's like Nero from the uh, the first J.J. Abrams Star Trek, where the, exactly. the villain was was nothing more than something for everybody else to get together to fight. And uh, you know there was a there was a ton of of stuff for Nero that never made it onto the the theatrical release. Yeah. That mm-hmm. would have made him a full fully fledged character. Instead yeah. of just you know, the boogeyman that that they're, that they're fighting, that yeah, that and- seems to be a thing now. Is is, I, you know, it may be a backlash from from, and maybe this is a bit of a reach, but it may be a bit of a backlash from like George Lucas telling us way too much about villains, mm-hmm. uh, to now going, you know, it's it may be a swing back to you know when I was a kid, when a lot of us were kids, the bad guys. We didn't care where they came from. We didn't care what their baggage was, what their how horrible their childhoods were, or anything like that. They were just the bad guys, and we wanted to watch our superheroes kick, uh, kick their asses. But this kind of just it, it it it's sort of like straddling the line between not enough and too much. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I and- definitely. I definitely agree with like you know less history, more mystery. But he just didn't do it for me he was i mean i felt like i could have just kicked this guy's ass if it weren't for you know the devices and whatnot but then again that's kind of the whole point but that whole part where he possessed melissa mccarthy and and this is really nitpicky and i just thought of this as we were talking about him but when he possesses melissa mccarthy and like the exorcist where her head completely does the 180 and kind of spins around and essentially breaks probably you know breaks her neck and spinal cord yet she's okay yeah (laughs) you know that's really nitpicky but remember when he possesses chris hemsworth and then he gets on a dirt bike and it's like oh no what if he scratches himself (laughs) yeah (laughs) well i think i think it's this new thing where every every movie that comes out they want to have it cross over into other media so they leave things out of the movie so that they can put them in a comic book that they want you to buy, or they'll put it in 
a TV show or something like that, and all, all this media crosses over. And I particularly don't like it because I think that if you're going to tell a story in a movie, then tell the whole story in the movie. You know, don't yeah. don't expect me to have to go and and do my homework <laughs> before I watch your movie. Yeah, but then you have to buy the comic and buy the video game exactly. and buy yeah. the graphic novel and buy that. Um, was it just me, or was there a Scarface reference in this movie I miss with the whole "Say hello, my little friend," or am I just imagining that? I think I remember that line. Yeah, probably. I mean, but then again, like that line, I would have said has... it if I had a proton pack. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that know, line gets used so much. So you know, just jumping back. Bad. <laughs> sorry so i was gonna say not that it's a bad thing that they're gonna use that line because it gets used a lot and uh you know if it's a good little comedy device i i would i don't mind that part i was just thinking about it as we were talking about it but sorry brock go ahead uh, no that's okay um yeah and, and going back to rowan and what a throwaway character it was and it just is i was just sitting here thinking you know for some reason with him being the villain i wanted a backstory on him and when you look at the four original guys, you get hardly no backstory on them whatsoever. They are just who they are. You meet Egon, who is, you know, has a stethoscope out and he's checking out a table and you just accept the fact that he's just a big nerdy scientist and you from the get go accept that Peter is just uh, he's got some sort of womanizing past and yeah. Ray's still a kid. Yeah. Um <laughs> you know, you that so there's really there's no backstory given to the original guys, hardly at all. And we're, and I was perfectly okay with that. But for some reason, this new villain, I just like, what was the motivation? What, what made you, you, I felt like he was the villain for the last decade that we've been seeing a lot where it's not necessarily, you know, some evil genius with a bald head and a scar over his eye that can like blow up the world with nukes it's more of like a computer hacker who's going to bring down the economy or disrupt some sort of you know other facet of life like that yeah, yeah. i didn't really understand which i knew from the trailer that uh, that they were going to have a human villain but i didn't it seemed like this movie was trying to hit hit most of the same beats that the original had 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 hit and I didn't understand why all of a sudden they want their villain in this one to be a human villain. In the original, the the villain was a ghost. Well, in the second one, the villain was a ghost and then had a secondary quasi-villain. You know, Walter Peck in the first one. And the second one was the little foreign guy. I can't remember his well, name. Yeah, no, she, <laughs> let's yeah, never yeah. forget. Let's never forget the villain in the first movie was the government and the EPA. Yeah. Oh! Yep. Well, yep. Yeah. <laughs> they should have made the villain uh, Donald Trump. <laughs> I would have loved to have seen a cameo of him in this movie. Something with his hair, like some ghost comes by, like flies, takes his hair away, and kind of flies away with it. Something, yeah. Oh. <laughs> but he probably would have sued him or made fun of him on stage or something. But <laughs> okay, well, uh, that's our show for this week. And I mean, I didn't, I didn't know that we were gonna, uh, that we had so much to talk about with Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna save all the. We were gonna talk about Star Trek, and I was gonna talk a little bit about uh, Batman: The Killing Joke and all that. I'll save all that for another episode. But um, I want to thank our uh, special guest Brock Parker from the Alabama Ghostbusters. Thank you for joining us. Oh, it's it's my sincere pleasure, and I have enjoyed, absolutely enjoyed being on here with you guys, and. Uh, 
call on me anytime. Yeah, I hope I hope you will come back again sometime. That was great. And uh, Anthony, thank you for joining me this week. Thank you very much. And to all the ghost heads out there who donate their time, money, and efforts and, you know, bring smiles to kids' faces in the hospitals, thank you so much for what you do. And Rick, pleasure as always. It was fun. Thank you very much. Nice talking to you guys, too. And if you guys would like to contact the show and tell us what you thought about any of the stuff that uh, we talked about, if you want to tell us what you thought about the new Ghostbusters, uh, just reach out to us on Facebook and Twitter. I'll just, you know, keyword Cosmic Potato. You can also find us at uh, CosmicPotato.com. All of our contact info is right there on the website. And make sure you take a minute and leave us a review where on whatever platform you download the show from, whether it be Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, whatever. Your reviews are going to make it easier for other people to find the podcast, and it helps us to grow. But thank you all for listening to the show. I really do appreciate it. And we'll be back soon with another episode. Until then, take care of yourselves, and bye-bye. Uh, man, th- thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. And, and um, yeah, sorry uh, my rambling about Sony. Oh, no, no, no. no. Was great. Yeah. Star Trek. I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. No, Dude, if, no, I, if I was in your place, I would still be talking about it. So I think you did a great job. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the, I'd be talking about every Christmas card I got from Ernie Hudson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah, he, he, and, he and his family are great people. They're as sweet as they can be. Well, you know, I, I recently read the interview with him from last year where he was talking about how his, his part got butchered in the original. Yeah. And I, after seeing him in, in Ghost Heads and, and his cameo, just how how gracious he still is, even after getting you know kind of hosed by the the original movie, is I think it's a, a real testament to him. And I think it's, he, it's it's mainly because he started doing these conventions and he really enjoyed interacting with the fans so much. Is what what I got I gathered from the documentary. He he loves it, yeah. and he is like I said, he he's a sweetheart of a guy. Um, and he is definitely a, a fan favorite. Whenever he comes to conventions, people flock to him. I mean, he's just, he, he's so nice. And um, he, he talks now a little bit more nicely about his experience with Ghostbusters. But a few years ago, he, he you know, he had some things to say because, yeah, he was upset that his, his part got cut. But thankfully, a um, good friend of mine, Dan Schoening, uh, is the artist for the comic books. And and loves Ernie to death, and they have really done a nice job of giving Winston his full backstory. Um, cool. In that, so yeah, there there's a lot more of of Winston's history to be had, and in fact, in the comics, Winston gets married. Um, and you know, Sony has, has said that all this is, is canon, the oh. comic books. Even when they met really the Ninja makes, Turtles. Well, you know, you got to. <laughs> But I, what I love is is the issue that um, the issue that Winston got married in. They Dan drew you know a, a shot of the the crowd that was there to to see the wedding, and in the back behind uh, Ray and Peter, you see me, Bo, and Rookie. <laughs> Dan drew us into the comic book, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, that's awesome!" So they made, awesome. so they made you canon, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We are canon, doggone it. <laughs> well, also, also the fact that they made Ernie Hudson audition for the cartoon and then didn't give him the part. 
I think that really. Is, oh, that's not. Yeah, he had the he he auditioned for the part of Winston in the cartoon, uh-huh. and they yep. didn't give him the part. They yep. gave it to Arsenio Hall. I think yep. that kind of sucked. <laughs> Whoa, that's <laughs> yeah, that's harsh. He <laughs> is Winston. He that is his voice, and then you gave it to Arsenio Hall. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I mean, in voiceovers, there's a whole industry of sound-alikes where it's, you know, the guy that kind of sounds like, and he's also one-third of the price. Yeah. But as, the thing you know, is, the is, real guy. is now Ernie does a ton of voiceovers for cartoons. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, what was it, Transformers Prime? Um, he was, uh, he was, um... He was one of the agents in Transformers Prime, I think. Yeah, so he, he one of the uh, um, human agents. So, so yeah, he he does a lot of voiceover work. He's he did the voice of the pinball machine that just came out recently. Um, yeah, he I does see a ton pop of stuff. Up and stuff all the time. There's a Netflix show that my wife and I watch called uh, "Is uh, Frankie and Johnny" or something like that. That Lily Lily Tomlin's yep. in it, and he was in that. Yep. He was he was dating Lily Tomlin for a little while. So, yeah. And if you if you look at uh, this newest season, episode eleven, um, when uh, Jane Fonda is in a bar, and there are these two drunk guys playing darts, yeah, the guy that she that Jane Fonda calls workers' comp, that's Sean Spence. That's Robin Shelby's husband. Oh, okay, hmm. okay. Yeah, so Sean got excited. He's like, oh, man, I got to be at a show with Ernie. <laughs> <laughs> well, those voice actor guys, for the union requirements, they're only allowed to work four hours a day. And that's also a job you can, you know, build a studio in your home, stroll in there in your pajamas, you know, work for four hours, and then that's that's all you're legally allowed to work that day. Yep. Uh, there's a documentary called... I know that voice, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. The yep. guy that did the the voice of Bender on Futurama it was a, one of his projects. Very good. Oh, and Rick, you still there? Yeah, I'm here. There is, well, you were talking about the, the knight in armor that you were doing. Uh-huh. I'm not sure where you can find it, but up here in Maryland, uh, there was a big thing. I'm not sure if it still goes on, but called Darkon. Have you heard of this? Oh, yeah, I've heard of it, yeah. Okay, yeah, so there was a documentary about that. And, I mean, because they shot that, like, you know, next town over where I was in. So seeing street signs and everything, like, very familiar was kind of weird. And actually, like, you know, with the one guy who's, who's he's in this building and, you know, there's a, a shot of a highway behind him. I'm like, oh, yeah, I've been on that countless times. That's that's <laughs> insane. <laughs> but, yes, I would say check that out because it's a lot of people fighting. And uh, there's a whole bit of, like, you know, a fantasy and RPG sort of element to it. Uh, but still might be entertaining because the, the main guy that the documentary focuses on, he's pretty lovable. Yeah, the, the the LARP community is pretty big too. Uh, I I dabbled in it, but I I I much prefer the real thing. <laughs> <laughs> you prefer, you know, your sword to be, you know, have real blood on it. Um, yeah, occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> I have a, a buddy down in Dothan um, that does that. They get out there with the wooden swords, and he's got a metal helmet, and mm-hmm. he let me try it on last November, and I'm my gosh, that thing's heavy. You want yeah, it to be, I, you need yeah. it to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I do not I I cannot do any of that. I had a I was in an accident, a car accident where actually I had to have a disc replaced in my neck and ever since then I'm like, you know, roller coasters, nope, 
Yeah. Uh, that was actually the reason why my doctor was like, yeah, your firefighting days are over. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I blew my knees out because I, I have crappy knees to, to begin with and running around in 60 pounds of armor just, and then getting hit with sticks <laughs> just was not conducive to, <laughs> yeah. Doesn't everybody do that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we all did, we would be a lot tougher, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> And it, deaf. it does change your ideas of what hurts a lot. Right. <laughs> yes. yes. You don't know pain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, real quick, just because I want to say this to give you this image. Uh, the last movie I watched before Ghost Heads was The Revenant. Uh, you know, the one with Leo yeah, Dio and uh, Tom Hardy. Yeah. So, I mean, you know the story of, like, they're, they're kind of mountain men in, in the winter. And, you know, they're, like, really, really tough guys and all. Yeah. Well... As I was watching that, I was sitting in a recliner with a heating pad on my back and eating ice cream. <laughs> and I'm just watching this movie like, oh, you were such a puss. You, like, you were not a man. You were such a puss. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we joke about it. Well, I, I don't do it very much anymore because I have children. Um, but... We used to joke about, yeah, I was born in the wrong century, and then you just kind of glance into the bathroom and you see that roll of toilet paper. You go, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and the fact that your bath, yeah. the fact that your bathroom is inside your house. <laughs> There's that yeah. too. Yeah. The absence yeah. of plague is a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> True. 